Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Chris. I'm Madonna. <laughs> I'm Gary. <laughs> Is that a Jennifer Tilly impression? No, I could do 2000s Madonna. I'm Madonna. <laughs> yes, I'm Gary. That's more like Madonna kebab. Um, and welcome to an extra special episode of Horror Court Trash Over. Now I say extra special rather than special because today we are discussing one of my absolute favourite people on the planet who I've never met. She's an icon, she's a legend and she will forever be the moment. She is, of course, Madonna. Yeah, bitch, she's Madonna. Bitch, she is Madonna. Seven time Grammy winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and the best selling female recording artist of all time. Madonna has been at the forefront of the cultural zeitgeist for almost 40 years. In my humble opinion, as a pop artist, Madonna is unsurpassed. As an actress, though, there seems to be a disconnect. Yes. And it's Madonna's struggle to find success on the silver screen that we'll be discussing on today's podcast episode. Yeah, I know everyone probably got really excited when we said, oh, we're discussing Madonna. Like, oh, we're just going to have a nice little chat about our favourite Madonna songs. <laughs> no. That is not the episode you've tuned into. It's we are discussing her acting career. No. Start a little bit with uh, her as a recording artist. Uh-huh. What's, what's your history with Madonna as uh, a singer? Growing up, she was the queen of pop. And obviously, to everyone, she's the queen of pop, but also to me as well. She's, you know, she was always the one I'd go to, her and Kylie Minogue. Um, little gay closeted Gary would love Madonna. Uh, music, confessions on a uh, dance floor, was it that uh-huh. one? Yeah. Uh, the one with Dying Every Day on, which I can't remember the name of. Those albums absolutely played to death. American Life. Yeah, those albums were played to death in my house. Uh, and yeah, I loved it. And obviously, you know, I was also a big James Bond fan. So Die Another Day, seeing Madonna on screen was a big deal to ten-year-old uh, Gary. Um, and yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, she is definitely within my top five favorite artists of all time. Um, yeah, and obviously. I'd heard nothing but bad things about her acting career. And then we watched Desperately Seeking Susan like a year ago or something like that. And it kind of opened my eyes that she isn't always terrible. And I think there's one thing that's important to mention at the start of this episode is that it's... We are going to be discussing her acting career. We are going to be discussing her shit roles. But we've got a little bit of defending to do as well. Because we both love Madonna, uh, the artist. But also... The actress sometimes as well. She's not always terrible. We're not here to bash Madonna today. No, no, and I don't want this to be... Obviously, we're a a podcast that deals with trash to pieces. And, you know, she might not admit it herself, but she's not the best when it comes to acting. Um, In terms of music, she's pretty much my number one in terms of pop music. Um, I love... All of her music, even the, the newest stuff, uh, to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, wow, well, let's not get off. <laughs> but, I mean, real classic songs. Um, I, I, ju- I just love her. She's groundbreaking as an artist, groundbreaking as a female artist. Um, I think she's just wonderful. Um, as an actress, obviously, there, there is a disconnect there. 
So when we think of women who have conquered, to, to varying degrees, the world of music and film, we think of Cher, Barbara Streisand, Jennifer Lopez. Caroline Monroe. Caroline Monroe. The Spice Girls. <laughs> Can you think of any of us? Jennifer Love Hewitt, obviously. <laughs> Hilary Duff, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> there was, and that's what you sort of came into is that the... the teeny bopper ones that would do films and music but in terms of really being successful in both fields um i, I would suppose Cher and, and barbara streisand are your number ones yes yeah. in, in terms of winning awards and getting number one singles yeah and i think what goes along with popular actually now obviously not not Cher and not barbara streisand but um you know, when we think of uh, Jennifer Lopez and the likes of Lindsay Lohan and uh, maybe Hilary Duff as well, um, and definitely Madonna is, when it comes with success between music and screen, also comes attention from the Razzies just because someone's popular and made an appearance in a film. Absolutely something that's going to come up during this episode. Yeah, and we'll definitely. be saying whether or not it's deserved. Because one of these nominations is... Scraping the bottom of the ballot. It is ridiculous. There's a lot of them to sift through, yeah. and they're not always valid. Yeah. And yeah. we have, uh, we, we like to discuss the Razzies on this podcast. A lot of the films that we end up discussing were nominated or weren't for, for Razzie Awards, and um, they don't always get it right. And sometimes it can be quite mean spirited. Um, yeah. And I think Madonna is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I think some of her nominations were literally just there for comedic value. Absolutely. They love to do that. And we, we will discuss that in the episode. So now getting down to the business in hand. As we are a movie podcast, Madonna has had a rough time as an actress, either justified or not. And it's become somewhat of a running joke. And let's be honest. It didn't get off to a great start. Uh, no, nineteen seventy nine's a certain sacrifice. Yes, directed by Stephen John Lewicki. Uh, this is his only film. I'm not surprised. Thank God. Madonna plays Bruna. A uh, budget of twenty million dollars, unknown worldwide gross. I don't think anyone of it and us has ever seen this 20 film. Twenty million. Twenty million did not go on that. No, no. This is before she was even fucking twenty dollars. Um, and the plot is a streetwise team gets herself in a series of circumstances and mishaps in a meaningless existence, yet you wouldn't know that because the audio quality and just everything about it is so fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, so this was shot as a student film. Uh, Madonna was obviously an unknown at the time, but she demanded to be paid for her work. Yes, <laughs> queen. Uh, the director required her to sign a release and paid her $100. Later, when... 20 got... million! She got $100! Where did you get 20 million IMDb? from? It cannot be 20 million. It's only an hour long. <laughs> uh, but later, when Madonna became successful, she tried to ban the movie. I wish she'd been successful <laughs> in that. Uh, but the director refused, citing the release she signed. Uh, so trying to piggyback off her success. Uh, it's awful. It's yes. grainy footage of people talking absolute shit uh, and just saying really random, provocative things like anal warts and come in me. 
Um, and kind of being racist at times as well, just to... Before you got to the racist part, that kind of sounded like... <laughs> before you said racist, that kind of uh, sounded like this podcast. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, my problem with this was that he, he desperately wanted to be um, the Andy Warhol-produced films from the 70s. Absolutely. As well as Brian De Palma's early work. I mean... No, I mean, for, I mean, I mean, if you want to be like Brian De Palma's early work, Pre Sisters, then you succeeded because those films are dreadful too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it really wanted to be bad. Andy Warhol's bad. Like, yeah, you can tell by that sort of obnoxious characters talking to each other again and again and not really going anywhere. But at least, uh, as as much as I wasn't the biggest fan of Andy Warhol's bad, at least that was a little stylish. This is just nothing. There's nothing, no style about it or anything. There's nothing to it. It is her lowest rated film on IMDb. Um, I would deservedly so. I don't. I don't oh. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, it's close. It's a very close call. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a nothing film. She did it for a hundred dollars. Before she was successful as a, an actress, uh, well, not an actress, as a singer. Um, Favourite Madonna moment in Dancing film? in the Fountain. Dancing in the Fountain. Uh, fountain? Fountain. Fountain. That's good. Um, I, I said uh, taking her top off and rubbing herself over some dancers. For no real reason. <laughs> just, just, for the, just for the hell of it. Um, so yeah, not a great start. Um, so this... Unsurprisingly, didn't kickstart an acting career for Madonna. No. But after the resounding success of her first two albums, she gave acting another go in 1985's Desperately Seeking Susan. That she did. Um, what's, def- what's desperate... I always struggle with the title of this film, and I don't know why, because I love the film. Uh, what's it all about? Gary? So, Desperately Seeking Susan is directed by Susan uh, Seidelman who directed three episodes of Sex and the City, The Hot Flashes, Musical Chairs, She Devil, Smithereens, and lots more. We liked, we liked Smithereens, didn't we? We did. And, and I think um, She Devil might be a future podcast episode. Maybe, maybe. And of course we like Sex and the City. Oh, of course. Um, Madonna plays Susan, uh, budget $4.5 million, and it made $27.3 million at the box office. Nice. That That's... That's good numbers for a female-led film with yeah. a female director in uh, 1985. And the premise is a bored New Jersey suburban housewife's fascination with a free-spirited woman that she's read about in the personal columns uh, leads to her being mistaken for the woman herself. Yeah, yeah. It was fifth highest grossing film of the year, uh, which is great. Yeah. You know. Um and in the first external shoots, nobody was paying any attention to Madonna's acting. By the time shooting had finished nine weeks later, production had to hire security to keep fans off the set because Like a Virgin had dropped and Madonna was a star. I love this film. Yeah. It's so fun. It's silly. Um, it's very 80s. It's a female-led film, which you know I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, in particular, it plays to Madonna's strengths. Yeah. She's cool, sexy, fashionable. She doesn't need to do much acting either. Um, it's not a heavy role at all, no. is it? No, but she's, you know, the fact that she's playing herself, and this is what we definitely realised throughout this marathon, uh, was that when she is playing herself, that's when she's at her best. Yeah. Um, and, and this is absolutely one of those... One of those occasions. I mean, 
you know, her outfits, all of them are amazing. The soundtrack's amazing. Uh, Rosanna Arquette is amazing as she well. Is, um, absolutely. I know this, this isn't the Rosanna Arquette episode, but you no. can't mention this film without mentioning her. But they work well together yeah. as, as well. So good. She was nominated for a Golden Globe for, for this film. It's like one of the most like 80s films ever made as well. Um, you know, it's just so entertaining. It's just everything we love about filming a film. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it is Madonna. There's a sort of ease to it because yeah. there's no pretenses there. Um, she isn't the big star that she would later become. There's no sort of expectations in terms of her acting. And I think that shows in her performance. Yeah. Um, Favourite Madonna moment? There's only one. There's only Let's one. face it. It is her dancing to what I believe to be her best song in a nightclub. Madonna, Dancing 2, Into the Groove by Madonna is it's one of the greatest moments of cinematic history. That's, That's some queen behaviour, dancing to your own <laughs> song in a club. Um, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree on that one. Um, and I think we both agree. Great, great start to... A, a great proper start to film. Let's, yeah. let's forget about a certain sacrifice. Yeah. So, real great star, she could really go place as an actress. So, a year later, Madonna, now a global superstar, found she could play the lead in a big budget studio picture opposite her then husband, Sean Penn. Guess what? She was wrong. She was so wrong. She was so wrong. 1986, Shanghai Surprise. Yeah, directed by Jim Goddard, who did episodes of Inspector Morse, The Bill, EastEnders, Hobby City, and lots more. Madonna as Gloria Tatlock, Razzie winner for Worst Actress. Do we think it's deserved? Um, Fuck yes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate to say, but yeah, I do, I do think it was deserved. At least the nomination was deserved. Budget, $17 million, <laughs> and it made $2.3 million worldwide. Oh, that's harsh. Uh yeah. Harsh but fair. Coming off the back of, you know, the successful Desperately Seeking Susan, which actually had a good performance, and then coming to a Razzie winning role where you are only making 2.3 from a $17 million budget is not the best. Shanghai, 1938. A missionary woman hires a fortune hunter to help her find uh, £1,100 opium uh, that's been lost, as wounded need the morphine. Adventure and romance follow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It certainly does. I don't fucking think so, darling. Um, yeah, so apparently after principal photography had wrapped, executive producer George Harrison, yes, that George Harrison. Yeah, that George Harrison who does the uh, culturally appropriate theme song and soundtrack. <laughs> um, it's not that far removed from Big Trouble in Little China. It's not, but at Let's least be fair, uh, Big yeah. Trouble in Little China. If we're going to judge George Harrison, we need to judge John Carpenter as well. Um, but he allegedly said of the lead stars, Madonna and Sean Penn, Penn is a pain in the ass, while she has to realise that you can be a fabulous person and be humble as well. What the fuck does she? What the fuck does she need to be humble? Why? Why? Why does Sean Penn not have to be humble? I know. Yeah. Why is it Madonna that has to be humble? Uh, the film was also rightfully nominated for Worst Actor, Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Original Song for George Harrison's title 
song, Shanghai Surprise. <laughs> um, Madonna was absolutely not the right choice. Uh, no. Um, she's gone from free and easy spirit in Desperately Seeking Susan to playing a, a prim and proper missionary woman. Yeah. It's uh, her first scene alone is hilarious of her uh, trying to collect money for charity. It's just she can't even shake a box without looking wooden. This is genuinely, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was sorry, definitely no. giving Dolly Parton in Christmas on the Square. <laughs> um, uh, but her her interactions with her then husband um, Sean Penn, no chemistry, not a single spark between mm, the two of them. No, they no, were fucking whatsoever. married. And let's be fair, Sean Penn is just as bad. Oh, yeah, he's awful. both really he's so, bad. He's obnoxious with it. He is really obnoxious with it. I really think they probably were trying to go for Big Trouble in Little China here. Um, but it, it is also... I, I kind of think there's a little bit of classic Hollywood they're trying to go yes. for here. Yes, I, I thought it was clearly an attempt at a classic Hollywood romance... Uh, a reference Madonna will continue throughout her career. And, and that kind of really began with her Material Girl music video. Yeah. So throughout her career in music and in acting is these references to the past and to classic Hollywood. Um, I read somewhere with this one they were going for African Queen um, with Catherine Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart, the sort of opposites attract mm. um, thing that they had going on. Um no. Um, no. Catherine true. Hepburn would never have looked so bored as Madonna <laughs> does a, in this film. There's genuinely a scene in this film where she's at a dinner table and it looks like she's fallen asleep. Like It, it genuinely looks like she is about to take a nap at dinner. She's, she's so wooden. She's, yeah, she's half asleep. She really is. And it, the film itself doesn't paint a good picture of Chinese culture either. Even by 1986 standards, um, there's one line that uh, the guy says, I've absolutely no aptitude for the native gibberish. What's your favourite line? Um, I don't know if I have one. Is it Madonna's guns cause pain, opium eases pain? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it would be. Um, yeah, re- really shoddy start. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to lead performances. Yeah. Also, Madonna. what the fuck are they looking for in this film? Because one minute they're looking for opium, the next minute they're looking for treasure. Like, what do you want? What do you want here? Like, the editing is so bad. Like, scenes just abruptly end, and then you're, all of a sudden you're in a different end of the plot that it's just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I, I really... I really don't get who the fuck was editing this film. Um, because they must have been drunk whilst doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not even trash to piece territory. The, the lack of energy isn't just in Madonna's performance. The lack of energy is in the filmmaking. Yeah. Like, you can see no one can be bothered. Yeah, yeah. genuinely. It really just does seem like no one can be bothered. Oh, it's a safe bet. We've got no Madonna. No one knows what they're doing. Well, yeah, they're like, they've got Sean Penn and Madonna. Yeah. It's going to make money. Like, oh, Indiana Jones is popular. You know, We'll Do- build this as an adventure film. Uh, we've got Madonna. We've got Sean Penn. Everyone will see it. Thankfully, no one did it. No one saw it. So, you know, there wasn't a sequel, thank God. No. Favourite Madonna moment? Oh, this is fucking tough. Um, probably. 
I didn't... This might help you out. I didn't have a moment. Um, sometimes her acting is hilariously bad. It made me laugh. Um, but she does look fantastic. She, and just, she, she does have great She outfits. does serve some great looks in the films. That's what I put. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with that. Um, asking for change scene at the start of the film. It really, it really sets her up for the rest of the oh, no, film. And when she mistakes um, ducks for chickens. Wow. Because <laughs> that's always a hilarious joke. Look at those chickens. When she falls into a bunch of horse shit out of a window, that was fun. She does. No, that's the ducks. Oh, no, the ducks, that's sorry. That's duck shit. Yeah, um, bless her heart. Not to be deterred. Uh, deterred. <laughs> talking shit, that was. Uh, not to be deterred by the resounding failure of Shanghai's surprise, Madonna's music career continued to skyrocket, but her film career would still be on a rocky path with 1987's Who's That Girl? Well, that's fucking rude, first of all. Directed by James Foley. As a career, <laughs> I mean, we enjoyed this film, but as a career choice, it didn't help her out in the, uh, it, on it the didn't. screen. It didn't. Uh, directed by James Foley, the director of Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. Ooh. Perfect Stranger. Oh, lovely. At Close Range. Oh, okay. Episode of Twin Peaks. And much more. Yeah, so he directed Sean Penn in At Close Range. And um, Madonna was... She did a cameo in that film, didn't she? And sang it, Live to Tell. Wasn't that Vision Quest? Or Vision it... Quest was crazy for you. Oh, okay. Um, so James Foley had directed quite a few of her music videos. Mm -hmm. So they were quite friendly with... He was quite friendly with Sean Penn and, yeah. and Madonna. Yes. Madonna stars as Nikki Finn. Uh, Razzie winner for Worst Actress. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think she deserved this. No. Um, You're telling me 1987, this is the worst performance you could find? It's not. Would you like to tell me who she'd be? Uh, would you like me I to tell you very much like who that. she'd be? Yes. Uh, good old... <laughs> um, oh, what's her name? Lorraine Gary. Lorraine Gary from Jaws. Jaws the Revenge. Okay. Uh, Lorraine Gary... I, I don't know, it's a sympathy case, isn't it? You've got to feel sorry for her. She really thought she was doing something. <laughs> she I, I don't know if she deserves to win. Um, <laughs> seems a bit harsh. She came out of retirement. Um, but it's, it's a terrible, also a terrible performance. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think this was deserved, if you ask me. Um, also nominated around this time for Worst Actress of the Decade for this and Shanghai Surprise. Yeah. Worst actress of uh, two films. Worst actress of the decade. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, I I thought that was a bit harsh. Uh, worst actress of the decade for like two films. And, and considering <laughs> what she did really well in Desperately Seeking Susan. Uh, yeah, no, no one acknowledged that. Um, but that's kind of how we're gonna see the Razzies. Yes. Um, she was nominated for her first Golden Globe though. Yeah. For best song. For Who's That Girl? Uh-huh. The title song. And um, who did she beat for that Razzie? I know she beat Lorraine Gary. Uh, Deborah Stipe for Tough Guys Don't Dance. No idea. Sandra Locke for Rat Boy. Uh. And Sharon Stone for Alan Quartermain and The Lost City oh. of Gold. Um, yeah. Yeah, who knows? We haven't seen the other ones. Um... <laughs> 
Budget seventeen million dollars. It only made seven point three million dollars worldwide. Very gosh. I'd love to know. I mean, I'm glad she got you know so many chances. I mean, she's Madonna, of course she did. How the fuck did she get so many chances with uh, with takings like this at the box office? Like, come on. I think it's it as her music career got bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. They assumed that that would help with box office in yeah. terms of acting. And it never... I don't think it ever really did. Um, because her biggest box office successes weren't necessarily... She wasn't necessarily the main draw. No. Um, so, regarding Madonna's acting abilities... Well, let's get the plot oh, out of the way. Excuse um, me. The life of an uptight tax lawyer turns chaotic when he is asked to escort a young woman newly released from prison who persuades him to help prove her innocence. Yes. Um, the lawyer played by the guy from... Griffin Dune. Griffin, from yeah. From American Wealth in London. Yes. And the fan. Not really a leading man. I thought he was really good in this. He was all right. I, I thought he was probably the best member of the cast. Well, regarding Madonna's acting abilities, director James Foley said that she was very uptight and into <laughs> every detail. That's probably why it wasn't so good. In Desperately Seeking Susan, when she didn't know what she was doing, she was being natural and at her best. And that, that kind of plays into what we said. It does. As well. But I don't think it's a bad performance. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's bad. I, I wouldn't say this is bottom of the barrel, fucking awful. Like, compared to some of the other roles she's played. Yeah. But this, I thought this was an entertaining performance. It was high camp. Uh, high camp, silly, for a high camp, silly film. She was going for Marilyn Monroe, let's face it. Yeah, and a bit of Judy Holiday, I yeah. thought, as well. Uh, the film itself, I thought, was obviously going for Bringing Up Baby. Yeah. Trying to be a modern take on a classic Hollywood screwball comedy. So again, it's Madonna trying to recreate that classic Hollywood um, persona, really. Um Madonna lingered on the set to watch director James Foley and his team work long after her scenes had been shot. Foley described her being around the set and not acting as a pain in the ass <laughs> since she won't skimp, especially on cost, and she should know that Warner had a tight schedule and constraints on the budget. They still did not trust Madonna when it came to acting. Hell, they even gave a greater percentage of the budget to the soundtrack. <laughs> and, you know... You can tell. Yeah. I mean, two all-time classic songs yeah. of this soundtrack. And Look of Love as well, which is all right. Um, what do you think to Madonna's character? I thought she came across a bit annoying at times. Oh, she was annoying, but I think that was absolutely a point. Um, I was still... I, I don't know. I mean, you kind of... When you've seen as many screwball comedies as we have... Um, classic Hollywood where many actors act like this you, you kind of get used to it and you could see that's exactly what she was going for the whole time so I don't know it was annoying but at the same time when you can see what she's doing you can forgive it a little yeah no absolutely I, I completely agree because I was I was understanding her reference points and it, it was a modernization of that as well with very very 80s film too um, I just think there were moments where you could tell she was trying too hard yes yeah. 
I still don't think she deserved Worst Actress at the Razzies. Um, I, I will stand by that. But there were moments where I was like, she's thinking too much. And and I think James Foley's a bit bitchy, talking like that. We're meant to have been good friends at the time. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of the blame is put on Madonna for the failure of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is something else we're going to see a lot. It's just, it's one of those films where you know, you know beat for beat everything that's going to happen. It's yeah. it's, it's oh, so predictable, yeah. you know. Yeah, it doesn't deserve its four point eight IMDb rating. No, that's um, really low. You know, people are just bashing this film because Madonna's in it. it. It's just camp, mindless fun. That's all it is. There's there's nothing else to it. Like camp, mindless fun with a great soundtrack. What did you think to the bleach blonde hair and very thick dark eyebrow amazing. combo? Absolutely amazing. Absolute exactly. <laughs> fucking Joan Crawford with a wig. It, you know, that's what it was giving me. It was so camp. Um, you know... Your favourite... The, the eyebrows were seen stealers in themselves. They were. As well, again, outfits. And then Griffin Dunn's as well. Oh, yeah. his, his were growing together. But, but come on, outfits again. Like, yeah, serving outfits. Favourite moment is... I want to give one to animated Madonna for that entire opening credit sequence. That's what I chose. So which was Betty great. Boop as causing a commotion plays during yeah. the opening credit. I mean, you know you're in for a good time when a film starts like that. Um, but I do have a live action favourite Madonna moment and it is when she punches the prison guard in the face. Yes. Whilst carelessly leaving prison. Yeah. She does leave prison with bleached hair and a full <laughs> face does. of makeup. Props to her, you know. I don't know what she had to do for that, but uh, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Um, so in 1989, Madonna would trade in the bleach blonde for a classic Louise Brooks black bob in a film that would finally allow her to both sing and act at the same time. Kind of. <laughs> One time. That film is Bloodhounds of Broadway. Yeah. Directed by Howard Bruckner, who directed Burroughs, the movie. Uh, and also Robert Wilson and the Civil Wars. That's it. That's all he did. Yeah, sadly he died uh, from AIDS um, shortly after the film was finished filming. Yeah. Um, so the actual completed film wasn't completed by him. Uh, the narration was added on after his death. Um, yeah, and it's it's uh, sad that it ended that way, but it's also very evident in the film. That, yeah, yeah. There's a mess. Razzie nomin uh, Madonna plays uh, Hortense Hathaway. Razzie nominee for worst supporting actress. Uh, budget of four million dollars. And it made £43,671 worldwide. Fuck, that's a loss. It was moved to television within, I think, six months yeah. after uh, screening. Uh, Razzie nominee. Deserved. I don't think so. No. She is not the worst thing about this film. She, right? she really isn't terrible. It's is really... And it's the performance isn't enough to warrant any... No real um, deci- decision, in my opinion, whether it's good or bad. It's it's just kind of there. I think she does a good job. Yeah. You know? And probably was never brighter and never roared louder than New Year's Eve 1928 when anything could happen and did. 
a four-part short story musical co-starring Madonna, Jennifer Grey, and Matt Dillon. Um, the cast for this film is so impressive. Such a good cast. Wasted. Absolutely wasted. Um, this is not a good film. Yeah, it, it's not. Which it's... is a shame because it's got all the ingredients for a good film. But it's just messy. Like R- Really messy. Um, I think one piece of trivia that sort of adds to that is uh, this movie went into nationwide release with one reel missing. No one noticed. Yeah. Yeah, I think that says it all. Because it's such a mess you wouldn't notice. There's too much shit going on at one time and it's not... um, I don't think it's edited well enough. or No. It's not... It becomes a bit confusing yeah it, it gets to the point where there's so much going on to the point that nothing goes on at all as weird as that sounds yeah um it's so bloated but it's difficult to stick with any of the plots it's just not very interesting i mean it's aesthetically pleasing there's some amazing set and costume designs here absolutely um you know performances that i, I don't think anyone really gave a bad performance but there's just nothing interesting going on. It's, it's just as simple is, as that. It's all a bit blah. Um, I thought it was going for a sort of Robert Altman style film, uh, a large ensemble cast with a lot of interwoven stories. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it pulls it off the way that, you know, Robert Altman's films do. No. Um I was also promised a musical by IMGB. I was not delivered a musical. Um, There was one musical performance where Madonna and Jennifer Grey sing I Surrender Dear. I quite liked it. Yeah. It it was all right. I mean, it's my favourite Madonna moment. Yeah. Because the rest of the film, she's just getting jewellery off Randy Quaid anyway. Yeah, same here. That's the only... Is it Randy Quaid? Yeah, it is. That's the only moment... Yeah, Maybe it's worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, I I liked her outfits, and and again we're getting another reference to classic Hollywood, and um, so yeah, definitely a theme, and also definitely a theme that comes up in her next film. Yes. Um, question. What about Dick Tracy? Well, it's an interesting name, and it's also a film released in nineteen ninety, directed by Warren Beatty, director of Heaven Can Wait, Reds. Bullworth and Rules Don't Apply, starring Madonna as Breathless Mahoney, Saturn Awards nominee for Best Actress, very well deserved, Uh, budget $47 million, and it made $162.7 million at the box office. Uh, Yes, Yes. understandable. I've literally written here, hooray, no Razzie Award nomination for Madonna. Uh, the comic strip detective finds his life vastly complicated when Breathless Mahoney makes advances towards him while he is trying to battle Big Boy Caprice's United Mob. Um, so we recently watched uh, Darkman and with this and Darkman, I didn't realise the impact that Tim Burton's Batman had on films in the early 90s because mm. both of those... I'm trying so hard to be Tim Burton's Batman. But that was a big box office success. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it works. It it really works here. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's something just really enjoyable about this film. Like, just really entertaining. Because it's it's so weird. It's, it's really weird because it's a PG. So obviously, you know, it's a very accessible film. But it's also really weird as well. Now, I've not read any of the Dick Tracy comics. Uh, so I don't know how much it takes from that. But it feels like you're watching a comic book come to life on screen. Yeah. Um, and even from watching it in 2022, you know, the set designs, the special effects and everything, the ones that have aged well look great. The ones that haven't still add to the style of the film because of the weird nature of it. Um, but yeah, amazing cinematography, amazing set designs and everything. But most importantly, amazing Madonna. Yes. Um, just to add to that, Al Pacino is fantastic oh he, in this film. So over the top. So over the top. So ridiculous. It works perfectly for the film. Um, yeah, I have such a good time with this film. And I, I like... And it's the same with Batman as well, actually. Um, it's kind of a mainstream film. It's, you know, from a comic book. But it's slightly off. Yeah. It's not all the way off, but it's slightly off. And I really like when films do that. And I think the 90s did that really well. Coming to my... Edward Scissorhands. Perfect. It, yeah. Perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, Tim Burton does that so well. Um, just a film that is mainstream, really. Yeah. But just slightly different. Mm-hmm. A, a real quirk to it. Um, but yeah, the woman of the moment, Madonna, looked beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous, flawless. Her performance was fantastic. Really played into her strengths. Yeah. She'd never sounded better. The Stephen Sondheim's songs, perfect. Yeah. She really, really... Em- em- she just embodied that role. It felt like it was written for her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all the reference points that she loves. It was giving me my Lena Dietrich. Yeah. Um, again, that classic Hollywood that she always comes back to in, you know... Films and and in her her songs, mm-hmm. um, little little gossip for you here, Gary. Uh, Madonna and Warren Beatty were dating in real life oh, during okay. filming. When he proposed to her, and she stalled on the question of marriage, he ended their romance and claimed <laughs> what he had given her was just a friendship ring. Uh. Um, yeah, Warren Beatty, famous womanizer, re- really infamous for his womanising ways. Um, I think he's, he's been settled down with Annette Benning for a long time. Um, but the the big hoo-ha was the age gap between the two. Um, yeah. Um, you got chemistry on screen. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love that um, Madonna's character's, you know, one of her sole purposes is that she just wants some dick and she's proud to admit it. Um, you know... Sex sells, and she absolutely sells it in this film. Yeah, she's quintessential femme fatale, um, lounge singer, gangsters mole. It's you know, it's a tried and tested formula, and like I said, plays really into her strengths. It really does. The acting is minimal. There's no big grand scenes. You know, it's not that kind of film. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's light and fun and. 
like I said previously, Stephen Sondheim can write a damn good song. Yeah. And she sings it perfectly. Sings them perfectly. <clears throat> so good, she made a whole album out of it. Yeah. Something that I think a lot of people forget is that the album that gave birth to Vogue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then again, Vogue is all about, you know, those classic, you know, mm. look at the music video for Vogue. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a theme that definitely comes up a lot. Um, Madonna's closest call with Oscars glory as well. Oh, wow. Um, sooner or later, one for best song, mm-hmm. song that she performed. And usually she will write on her songs as well. Um, but she didn't on this one. And it was Stephen Sondheim who, who won for that song. Um, favourite Madonna moment? It's sooner or later. Her intro, the first time she performs it, um, I mean, what an entrance. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's so many you can pick from, but that scene just has such an impact. Like, you actually know she means business this time around. When she starts that scene, it's just the framing, the lighting, her costume, everything about it is just perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and any scene where she's trying to seduce... Uh, trying to seduce Dick Tracy yes. in a uh, plunging neckline. Uh-huh. Um, there's a little figurine of that, actually, I really want to get. It, no, I mean, it's PG, so a lot of the toys that came out for were aimed at kids. <laughs> and there's this one of her, and it's a real plunging neckline it on it. Um, so after the success of her Like a Prayer and I'm Breathless album, which uh, was born from the Dick Tracy role... Um, and the box office success of Dick Tracy, Madonna embarked on her iconic and prosperous Blonde Ambition world tour. Madonna was now one of the most famous women on the planet and a new high as a recording artist and also an actress. Uh, and I think this is a good point to stop for a little top ten list. Um, it's been a while since we did a top ten. It has. Uh, countdown. Uh, this one incorporates both the acting and singing of Madonna's career, and it is top 10 Madonna soundtrack songs. Yes. So these are songs that Madonna performed that were specifically written for motion pictures. So a few of them will be um, films that we discuss on this episode. But what's your top 10, Gary? Uh, So number 10, I have Sooner or Later from Dick Tracy. Nice. Number 9, I have I'll Remember from With With Honours. With Honours. A really random film. It is. And she's not always in these films, by the way. No. These songs not. No. 8 is the criminally underrated Dying of a Day from Dying of a Day. Yeah. Maybe underrated by me. 7, Beautiful Stranger from Austin Powers, Spy You Shagged Me. Nice. Number six is Hanky Panky from Dick Tracy. Now, I know this wasn't in the film, and uh, if we're counting songs on the soundtrack, then maybe Vogue should be included. But the reason I included this one is because it has her iconic... What about Dick Tracy? What about Dick Tracy? Dick, in... that's an interesting So, one. I mean, that's good enough for me, so that's why it's included. Uh, I quote that at least once a day, so yeah. <laughs> Five, Lift to Tell from At Close Range. Number four, Causing a Commotion from Who's That Girl? Number three, Crazy For You from Vision Quest. Number two, Who's That Girl from Who's That Girl. And number one, her my favourite song of hers in general, uh, Into The Groove from Desperately Seeking Susan. Good list. I, I, I agree. A slightly different one. So, ten, I've got Masterpiece from W.E. Yeah. Um, one of her newer songs. I, I really like that one. Beautiful Stranger at nine. 
This used to be my playground from a league of their own at number eight. Seven, live to tell. Six, crazy for you. Five, I'll remember. Four, causing a commotion. Three, who's that girl? Two, sooner or later. And of course, number one, into the groove. Slightly different, very different. Oh, <laughs> slightly. I, I agree. Uh, she's, I mean, banger after banger after banger in her yeah. career. Um, and she might not put in the best performances, but you know damn well she's going to give you a good song. Yeah. So, um, yes, that's our top tens. Um, if you want, if we missed any, let us know. Uh, I will be adding those to the Horrorcore Trash of a playlist. Yes. Of course. Um, so getting back to the business in hand. In 1991, the Razzies came calling again, but not for Dick Tracy. Uh, it was actually for her role as herself in In Bed with Madonna, also known as Madonna Truth or Dare, a behind-the-scenes documentation of her Blonde Ambition tour. What do you think that says about the Razzies' relationship with Madonna? They're just looking for any excuse. I think so. Um, I mean, it's it's difficult because, you know, when they did something like this with uh, with Donald Trump, it's hilarious. Um, yeah. When he, you know, nominated for his documentary, they're doing it with various other celebrities, and it's been really funny. Um, but it just pisses off multiple of Madonna. Yeah, it's. I think it's something throughout her career, in in every aspect of her career, is that she's known as a diva or or a bitch, and people come for her. And her personality. Because because they can't turn around and say, you make shit music. Yeah, she does it. Exactly. So, it feels very personal. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen uh, Madonna, Truth or Dare. Um, we do own it. We didn't watch it for, for this. Because we, we didn't want to, you know, it's her acting. It's essentially a document documentary behind yeah. the scenes. Um so it it does feel it it does feel really personal that um they would nominate her for playing herself yeah essentially saying that she's you know either a bitch or she's putting on an act yeah you know not very nice um surely you know just leave her alone for one fucking year <laughs> um as we've learned in the past episodes of this podcast, sometimes the Razzies do pick easy targets. They do. Uh, ones that will get the best laugh or get the most attention. And I think this is definitely one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Madonna's next role saw her cameo in Woody Allen's Shadow and Fog, where all she does is snog John Malkovich behind Mia Farrow's back and absolutely nothing else. Yeah. Um, really darkly lit scene. I don't know how much she cost, um, but it certainly wasn't worth the money because she's barely in the film. But she's all over the <laughs> advertisements for the film. She and that's why we watched the film. Yeah. And then sat there and like, well, that was a waste. <laughs> I've got nothing to discuss. Um, <laughs> um, in 1992, though, she had a minor role in, a, a larger role, but still minor, in... Probably her best film. Yeah. A League of Their Own. Yeah, directed by Penny Marshall, who directed Jumping Jack Flash, Big, Awakenings, Riding in Cars with Boys, etc, etc. 
Madonna plays May uh, Mordebito, centre fielder. Uh, budget $40 million and it made $132 million worldwide. Recently had a re-release as well for its 30th anniversary. Nice. Uh, two sisters joined the first female professional baseball league and struggled to help it succeed amidst their own growing rivalry. Yeah, I'm going to get to the trivia first because it's got some of my favourite trivia and there's quite a bit of it. Um, during filming of the World Series games, stars took turns entertaining the unpaid extras. Tom Hanks did puppet shows over the dugout. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell did stand-up comedy. And various actors pretended to be Madonna and sang her songs after the singer balked at performing for the fans. <laughs> um, I continue. In Evansville, Indiana, where the uh, Racine Games and World Series were filmed, Madonna was so rude to citizens, hotel and restaurant staff and other locals that her reputation is still tarnished there. Wow. She even spoke poorly of the city in interviews. According to a handwritten letter she wrote to photographer Stephen Mizell, Madonna was miserable during production. She said, I cannot suffer any more than I have in the past month, learning how to play baseball with a bunch of girls. Yuck. In Chicago. <laughs> double yuck. I have a tan, I'm dirty all day, and I hardly ever wear makeup. Penny Marshall, <laughs> Laverne, because um, she played Laverne in mm -hmm. Laverne and uh, Shirley. Uh, Gina Davis is a Barbie doll. And when God decided where the beautiful men were going to live in the world, he did not choose Chicago. <laughs> I have made a few friends, but they are athletes, not actresses. They have nothing on the house of extravaganza. I wish I could come to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I continue. Deborah Winger abruptly left the movie during pre-production when she found out Madonna had signed on to a major <laughs> supporting role. She felt casting Madonna was mainly a publicity stunt that would di distract from the authenticity of the historically accurate story and turn the film into an Elvis Presley musical. <laughs> she stood by her assertion years later saying, look at how Madonna's acting career has turned out. <laughs> That was a bit harsh. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't paint the best picture of Madonna behind No, I mean, seats. this is crazy because she's great in this. She's really, really good. I mean, it is a great film. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone. I have absolutely no interest in sports whatsoever. Um, but Madonna and Gina Davis got me interested in baseball for two hours. What I know about baseball, you could write on the back of a £5 note, you know? Um, but that's not the point. No, um, it's, it's an empowering film. It you know, really It's is. a film about female empowerment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, based on the true story as well. Um, it's, it's so good. It, it is just really, really good. You don't have to be in sports to enjoy this film. Uh, as a comedy, it's funny. Uh, as a drama, there's enough to be invested in. It's just really, really good. It's charming. That's yeah. what I, I thought it was a really charming tale of women pushing boundaries in sport with a great cast and some real chemistry between the actresses as well. Um, I really enjoyed it, really did. It's perfect sort of family viewing. You know, it's not, you know sexy too sexy or no. anything you know even if madonna does play all the way may Mad yes all the way may um she plays what imdb described as a sex pot um 
who enjoys a good dance in the company of men. Um, sex pop for the 1940s, uh, which means she wears red a little bit and puts on too much makeup <laughs> and dance and has one quite, quite, um, quite quick dance with a, a fella in a bar. And that's about it. That makes her the promiscuous yeah. one. All the way, May. Uh, but I think she does well. She does. Again, it's not, you know, the most emotionally meaty role. No. Uh, it doesn't have to be. She she does well. It it's and and again it's that reference to old, old um the nineteen forties and or oh, the vintage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and every everyone does a really good job in it. Really enjoyed it, and I would say it's overall the best film that she's appeared in. Yeah, yeah, as, as a film as a whole, yeah. Favorite Madonna moment. There's actually a scene where some news reporters show up to a baseball game and she's there trying to show off and everything and the uh, not-so-conventionally-attractive girl tries to get in and she's like, no, don't waste your time, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> was it not when she was chasing the really obnoxious kid around the I mean, yeah, that was great bus as well. with a baseball was, bat? Yeah. To <laughs> I mean, Tom Hanks really does the best thing there to that kid. He does. That is true, actually. She was upstaged by uh, Tom Hanks in that one. And she gets to do a little bit of dancing. A few these films, you know, surprisingly, a lot of her films don't feature her singing. There's, and there's a scene in which one of the characters sings in this film. It's not her. Yeah. Yeah, one of the baseball players, she sings. I just thought that was strange that they wouldn't be like, oh... You know, give it to Madonna. Mm. You know, considering she sang, this used to be my playground, which is really weirdly placed. It's a great song, but it is weird at the end because it's actually quite a happy ending. Yeah, and this used to be my playground's a bit of a sad song. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, she was Golden Globe nominated for it, so props to her. Now the same year. Madonna would take the sex pot role to a whole new level. One that would epitomise a new direction for her artistically, pushing boundaries as a performer and as a woman in show business. I introduce to you a misunderstood classic, <laughs> Body of Evidence. <laughs> Surprisingly released a month before Basic Instinct. Um... I'm not even sure how that's possible when they're both so similar, uh, except one's good. Directed by Yuli Edel, uh, the director of The Little Vampire, Christian F, Last Exit to Brooklyn, an episode of Twin Peaks, another director from Twin Peaks, uh, and lots more. Madonna should have been in Twin Peaks. But she should have been. I'm surprised she wasn't. Madonna was Audrey? Uh, she may have been a little too old. No, just a point. random surreal character that can't act, and <laughs> it worked because of that. Um, Madonna plays Rebecca Carlson, Razzie winner for Worst Actress. Is this deserved? <laughs> yes. Yes. It really is. It is. <laughs> Let's put it this way. We don't enjoy this film because it's a good film. This is trash to piece, guilty pleasure, camptacular. It's, um, so entertaining. Was there any other nominations? For a particular Green Goblin. Mm, oh, um, I think there might have been. Because as much as I love Willem Dafoe, his um, performance wasn't 
it's the best. I don't... I'm not sure, actually, if he was... Will you just give me one second? He, I mean, his performance is the best out of everyone else in the cast, but that's not saying a lot, really. I know Anne Archer was nominated. She was the secretary. Um, she barely did anything. I don't know why she was nominated. She barely did anything. Um, yes, he was nominated for Worst Actor, yeah. uh, Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actress for Anne Archer, Worst Director for Uli Edel, and worst screenplay. Um, Budget of $30 million. Uh, it made $13.2 million worldwide. A lawyer defends a woman accused of killing her older lover by having sex with him. Now, I bet this uh, one did really well. On home video. On home video. <laughs> I think it's definitely got the showgirls about it. Um, Madonna was nominated for Most Desirable Female at the <laughs> MTV Movie Awards. So, there's a consolation prize if uh, there ever was one. This film is fucking ridiculous. Um, As we all know, there was a period of the late 80s, early 90s where erotic thrillers were in. It was the the trendy thing to release thanks to uh, Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct. Um, This one slipped in there. Um, I love an erotic thriller. I remember in when I was at school, there always used to be and the cheapo erotic thriller on Channel 5 on a Friday night. You'd go into school on a Monday and discuss it. Um, I wasn't particularly interested in the erotic side, uh, but I was interested in how ridiculously camp and over-the-top and ridiculously stupid these films were. Um, this is perfect for Channel 5 on a Friday night. The pacing is alarming. I genuinely, this film goes from zero to a hundred like nothing I have ever seen. You know, you'll have a really serious court scene one minute. Next minute, you've got fucking Willem Dafoe licking out Madonna in a fucking car park. And I swear, that was not acting. I mean, he was far too close. I swear we saw his tongue on it. He he genuinely went down on Madonna in a car park. Well, that brings me to the trivia. Some more <laughs> trivia that I really enjoyed reading. Uh, Madonna personally selected Willem Dafoe as her co-star. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, two of Madonna's most infamous scenes, one involving dripping candles uh, and the other requiring her to masturbate, were improvised. Um... Oh, uh, FYI, there are spoilers involved in these this trivia. So if you haven't seen the film, you don't want a spoiler. Skip about, what, five minutes? Um, in preparation for this role, Madonna met with a real-life dominatrix who taught <laughs> her a few tricks, including how to tie someone's arms behind their back using a belt. Yes. Willem Dafoe accepted the role of Frank Delaney because he was interested in the reversal of Hollywood norms, having a female character dominate during the sex scenes. I think that's interesting. I think there was a more interesting film he could have chosen to uh, <laughs> look at that. But uh, Producer Dino De Laurentiis stated in interviews after this movie's released, uh, release that he begged Madonna to delay the publication of her sex book by a few months so that the public would not think that this was just the sex book movie. 
but that she, <laughs> but she refused. De Laurentiis maintained that this contributed strongly to the film's poor box office performance. I, I don't think that's... I don't think so. If anything, it would have been good publicity. Yeah. I mean, that sex book was condemned um, by a lot of people, which is great publicity for oh, yeah, an erotic thriller. Um, and it's very much in keeping with... Madonna is very well known for having different... Um, sort of personas or, yeah. or different stages of her career. Um, she changes it up and that's what's allowed her the longevity that she's had in the music business. You know, there's always something different. Um, and this is very much slap bang in the middle of her, you know, sexy, kinky, strong, sexual female. Yeah. You know, and the... For its faults, at least the film has that. Oh, yeah. No, I love how pro-sex Madonna is. It's great. I mean, it's it's really empowering because any other actress, if you get a slight nip slip... I mean, remember it was on the Boy Next Door episode. Oh, did we just see Jennifer Lopez's nip? Oh, my God. Oh. Um, uh, you know, any other musician that turns actress, it's it's a rarity. You don't often... No. You know, it's and it's always a big deal as well. Madonna's just like, I don't give a shit. Here's my fucking fanny on full display in a car park. She's not sorry. With, no, with Willem, Human Def- nature. Willem Dafoe's face in it, you know? it's Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. She could have been in the film, and we say this a lot on the podcast, but she could have been beheading people left, right and centre yeah. in this film, and no one would have batted an eyelid. But Lord forbid, she gets a little bit on the boot of a car... And that's all anyone can talk about, including us, because it's a fabulously. Oh no! I mean, I also have a candle waxing to talk about as well. That is also true. Um, more trivia. <laughs> In interviews, Madonna stated that she found filming the sex scenes scientific, not sexy at all. <laughs> but co-star Willem Dafoe admitted that he was turned on despite himself while filming the scenes. <laughs> TMI, there, Willem Dafoe. Um, but I think it's interesting because. Her persona at the time, and, and continued, is very sex positive, um, very sexual. But she found filming the sex scenes scientific and not sexy. Yeah. And I think that's probably how she looks at most of her acting. Yeah. Is the wow. well, like, like a science. And yeah. she tries to figure it all out. Um, at least she could admit it in this case. Uh, Madonna's acting coach quit just before prediction, uh, production began, claiming that she thinks she knows everything. <laughs> I, can, I can believe that. Uh, Madonna's salary for this movie was higher than all of the other actors combined. <laughs> I can also believe that. Um, she looks like Courtney Love. She does. A lot in this, in this film. Which is good, you know, Courtney Love, beautiful woman. And Dangerous Game as well. Like, this, this little yeah. phase she went through looking like uh, Courtney, Love. Courtney Love, which is funny considering the famous interview between them both. Yeah, which uh, it was soon to come. Uh, in another interview with Cosmopolitan in 1996, Madonna stated that two different endings were filmed for this movie, one in which her character lived and one in which she died, and that they went with the misogynistic ending. Which is true. Yeah, it is. Of this it movie, did. she said... Uh, film is a director's medium. In other words, try not to work with a director who hates women. 
In my case, that means I'll be photographed badly and end up dead in the end. <laughs> true. And it, you know, yeah, she committed crimes, but it almost felt like she was... She had to die because she was sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Rather than being caught and sent to prison, she had to die. Yeah. And she wasn't allowed to get away with it. Whereas I feel like if it was a man in that role, mm. then... He I mean, Willem Dafoe is being unprofessional and cheating on his wife. Exactly. You know. Exactly. He, he, you know, he ends up being the... Uh, I think Bob. The... Hero. Hero in the end. Um, in a 1994 interview with The Face magazine, Madonna confirmed that Rebecca got away in spite of her guilt in the original version of the film and that the ending was changed in the last week of shooting. Madonna said, I fought it every, st- I fought it every step of the way, but I had no control. Woman who has sex must die. That is the theme of that movie. But it wasn't that way to begin with. Madonna also said, I'm disappointed in it, but I'm not sorry I did it. I think I did a good job. But I got the blame for everything. It was like I wrote it, produced it, directed it, and I was the only one acting in it. The journalist added that when they attended a preview screening of this movie, many of the male critics shifted coats and bags onto their laps <coughs> during the sex <laughs> scenes, but they didn't write about that. Very, <laughs> it's a very Madonna thing to say. Um, but no, I completely concur. Yeah. I, she doesn't put a great performance in. Um, a performance is campus tits. It's like, campus tits. I mean, the bathroom scene where she uh, gets a slap in the face by Julianne Moore, it's it's cinematic gold yeah. if you're a Trash the Peace fan. Um, but I think she fully commits, though. She does fully commit to the <laughs> film. Yeah. yeah. What she does on screen, a lot of actresses, particularly of her fame... Wouldn't have done. No, I mean, I, I, let's get to the candle wax scene. <laughs> let's get to the candle wax scene. What about the candle wax scene, Gary? Just Madonna pouring candle wax on Willem Dafoe's cock, that's all. Yeah, apparently the first two were in the script, but the third one was Madonna going, uh, going rogue. <laughs> I just couldn't believe my eyes. I, I, Willem Dafoe and Madonna, you know, what a combination. Yeah, yeah. I think Willem Dafoe was miscast to a certain degree. <laughs> um, it's the most famous scene, isn't it? Yeah. But not my favourite scene. My favourite scene is the car park. Yeah. I suppose it'd have to be mine as well. I mean, but going from how it all begins in the lift as well, like the whole sequence is yeah. completely outrageous. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it'd have to be that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or her getting a camp slap from Julianne Moore. <laughs> um, I would I would recommend this film. Oh, definitely. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll enjoy this film. Yeah, absolutely. It's very on brand for us. Love it. Um, her next film stands out as a rather strange um, feature in her filmography, don't you think? Very. Um, but it did garner one of her best performances. Yeah. It's Snake Eyes, or also known as Dangerous Dangerous Game. Dangerous Game. Dangerous Game. From 1993, directed by Abel Ferrara, uh, director of Bad Lieutenant, King of New York, The Addiction, Driller Killer, etc., 
we previously discussed him um, and Will and the Foe when they made uh, Siberia together. Oh God, what they did, unfortunately. Speaking of a hit and miss career. Uh, Madonna plays Sarah Jennings. The budget was $10 million and it only made $1.2 million worldwide. I'm surprised it's even got released theatrically. Is it? Small film for Madonna to be starring in. Yeah. Um, very, very small. Um, a New York City film director working on his latest movie in Los Angeles begins to reflect the actions in his movie in real life, especially when he begins an affair with the lead actress. Yeah, um, Madonna plays almost a dual role in this as an actress, but also as the character in in the film that's being filmed. Um, She's a character that's abused physically and sexually by her husband. And it's not... The the scenes in the film aren't the kind of scenes I expected from Madonna. Yeah. This was a surprise for me, this one. Uh, I mean, firstly because, apart from King of New York... Um, I'm not the biggest Sable Ferreira fan. Neither of us are. No. He he doesn't make the best films. This is one of his better films. Um, But also Madonna's performance as well just really took me by surprise. It it didn't feel like you were watching Madonna. No. Um, Yeah, like, this is not a nice film. It's not an entertaining film. Mm. It's uncomfortable. It's gritty, dark. It's really just a really haunting portrayal of Hollywood through the eyes of Abel Ferreira and he, he does this um, in a way that kind of makes you feel like the lead actor is a version of the director and the director is a version of Ferreira himself um, which becomes a little alarming with some of the things that happen but I, I think that's what he's going for um, but it's not like a normal film it's very... Yeah, it's just... It's not nice, but it's good. I mean, it's it's a good film. Like, I would recommend it, but it's I think it's a one-time watch kind of deal. Yeah, it's probably her most well, artsy film. I, I, yeah. And I, I don't like using that word. Art House. Art House. It is. Um, in 2007, Ferreira recalled... Madonna nailed it. The first impression people get on a movie is the one that never gets out of their mind. So after Madonna got mixed reviews for doing Body of Evidence, she thought she was going to surprise the critics and badmouth the film. And she actually got good reviews. Uh, She never got a good review from The Voice or The New York Times in her life, but she got good reviews for this movie, Mm. which she came out and trashed. I'll never forgive her for it. Um, Yeah, Madonna is very, as you can tell by some of the trivia... Um, has a long history of trashing a lot of her films. Yes. Um, I think that's a bit harsh, uh, particularly for this one, which is a good film. They can't, she can't say she didn't know what she was in for because this is very much what you see is what you get with this film. Like, it's not like it was a big surprise to her. Maybe she just assumed she was going to get bad reviews and so trashed the film to sort of save face a little bit. Um, I mean, she's not one for mincing her words, is she? No. Um, I liked how, in terms of her character, a lot of the emphasis is put on 
her as an actress being a commercial actress mm. and her trying to prove herself. Yeah. Um, and I think Madonna's overly controlled way of acting actually works for the role. Mm. Um, I feel like the way she argues and bickers with her co-stars and the director. Yeah. I don't think to the heightened level it gets to in the film, but I think that is some part of her persona. Oh, yeah. Um, that rings true. But it, when you read interviews and such, she's very much a control freak. Uh, control freak. Um, so the scenes in which she's playing the actress playing the character who um i think she does really well in i think yeah. she does um and then when she has to play the abused wife i still think she it's weird to see madonna in that kind of role mm-hmm. but i think she does do well um i think it's also a level of expectations as well this is a, a small film it's not i don't think is this after uh, king of new york yeah, whatever. Um, so maybe, you know, there was the chance for some success because I think King of New York did well. But I don't think there was the level of expectations there have been with other films. No. So maybe she just felt a little freer about it. And I think it's a shame that she badmouthed the film because it's not a bad film. Um, I put favourite Madonna moment just, just to acting, actually. Yeah, yeah it's, it's difficult to pick one. Yeah. She's very much on the same level throughout the entire film. It's definitely not a showy role. No. It's not, you know. There are standout moments, but not not ones I would say, oh, that's my favourite moment. Yeah. Um, in 1995, Madonna would win another Razzie for her supporting role in the divisive Four Rooms. Um, I'm not going to lie to you here. We have watched Four Rooms. We didn't watch it recently because I didn't like it. I didn't necessarily want to rewatch it. Um, have you got any details down for Four Rooms? Um, she plays a witch. She's in Alison Anders' segment um, who directed episodes of Sex and the City, Gas Food Lodging, uh, Mavida Loca, Sugartown, etc. Um, but the film has also had segments from Alejandre um, Rockwell, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino. And even in a lineup like that, Madonna's segment is still the best one because the others are fucking trash. Um, this is at a budget of $4 million, only made $4.2 million back. Um, she plays Elspeth in uh, the Missing Ingredient segment. Yeah, she's a witch. She's the best thing about the film. That's really all we can say about it. Yeah, yeah. I think she's the best thing about the film because she's Madonna and she's the most memorable part because yeah. she's Madonna. Um, memorable to the Razzies as well because she did win a, a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress. And this is where it kind of feels personal. Yeah. Like, they're really trying to prove a point here. Um, and I don't... And I... I'm a, no, I will say it. Fuck it. I will say it. If she was a man, I don't think she would get this kind of treatment from the Razzie Awards. I mean, it depends who was nominated, male-wise. But I don't... I, but I don't... This constant every time she's ever in a film... Yeah, no, I know what you mean. She's constantly being told she's the worst actress. And, yes, let's be honest, she's not the best actress. 
Yeah. But it's kind of, for a role like this, such a small role. Yeah. In, you know, not a nothing film, really. Yeah. And to still win, it's like, oh, for God's sake. It only gets worse as well. It, I'm not um, saying she never deserved it, a nomination. Yeah, this, this side of things does get worse as well. As I just think this on. is the point where it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what she does. Yeah. Even the tiniest of roles, they're going to throw a Razzie out. Yeah. Um, in the next year, 1996, um, she did a cameo in Spike Lee's Girl 6. Um, I did see on YouTube uh, the clip of her cameo. I think she plays a um, a brothel madam, but like a really modern mm-hmm. one, where she just... And it was just a lot of her talking quite fast and saying, like, butt plug every so often. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, in 1996, Madonna would star in the biggest role and film of her career, a role she felt born to play as Eva Peron in Evita. Yeah. Directed by Alan Parker, uh, who directed Angela's Ashes, The Commitments, Mississippi Burning, Angel Heart, uh, Pink Floyd The Wall and lots more. Budget $55 million and it made $141 million worldwide. The hit musical based on the life of Eva Peron, uh, Evita Duarte, uh, a B-picture Argentinian actress who eventually becomes the wife of Arge- Argentinian president uh, Juan Domingo uh, Peron and the most beloved and hated woman in Argentina. Um... Let's get one thing out of the way here. This film is not quite the masterpiece it would have you believe it is. You, you kind of have a reputation. Um, a kind of uh, perception of films before you watch them a lot of time. Especially if you've seen a lot of marketing and you know, you've heard the soundtrack and whatever. Which is very much the case with Evita. I always, you know, I've, I've seen this person so many times... I've always assumed it's this big, fancy masterpiece. It's really not. Yeah, I think it's sort of advertised itself as a prestige picture. Yeah. Um, and it had a big fat budget, you know, and a lot of effort and a lot of work went into it. There's a huge um, cast of extras. It's it's a big it's a big film. Um, but it's not necessarily a good film. No. Um, I'll get into the trivia. Uh, Madonna was cast after she wrote a long letter to director Alan Parker, convincing him that she was perfect to play the role. The letter was accompanied by a copy of her video for Take a Bow, where she had specifically asked the director that it should resemble the 40s and 50s. Also in the letter, she compared her life to Eva Peron's. <laughs> both lost both lost a parent as a child and both arrived young in the big city with no money <laughs> or friends, but managed to succeed. No, I agree with that. Oh, uh, yeah. To a certain degree. She really was that fucking role though, didn't she? Jesus. <laughs> she did, yeah. Um, Madonna underwent extensive vocal training to prepare for her role as Eva Peron. Apparently, uh, apparently, excuse me, appropriately, she studied under the same teacher who instructed Patti Lapone, who originated the role on Broadway. So let's get into a little bit of trivia with oh, Patti Lapone. Um, she played Evita 
1979, I believe, uh, on Broadway. Highly successful. Yeah. She fucking hates Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) She was asked to play Madonna's mother in this film. Um, She refused. (laughs) She's refused to watch the film. And uh, on Watch What Happens Live, um, she said that Madonna is a, I think, movie killer. (laughs) And that she's dead behind the eyes. (laughs) And that she can't act. She's a great pop singer, but she can't act. She needs to give up. (laughs) Um, I think maybe a little bitterness there that, I mean... And I love Patti LuPone and, um, you know, she's a great Broadway actress. Um, and she's done film and TV. Um, but I'm sure if the film had been developed years previously, mm-hmm. she would have been asked to play Eva Peron and not her mother. Um, so maybe a little bit of there. <laughs> when Madonna first arrived in New York trying to make it as an actress, she tried out for a role in the play Evita. The director not only turned her down, but told her she would never have a role in Evita. After filming was complete, she sent him a copy of the final print. <laughs> now, however good or bad you think the film is, that is some um, queen behaviour right it is. there. It is. Um, Madonna speaks only 140 words of dialogue. The rest of her lines are sung. I'm surprised she even speaks that many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Madonna pulled off 85 um, costume changes as her role as Eva, beating the previous record of 65 changes made by Elizabeth Taylor in Cleopatra. No Razzie Award nomination, but Madonna won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Movie, Musical or Comedy. So this is finally her big moment in acting. She wasn't nominated for an Oscar, no. but she won a Golden Globe and, you know, still prestigious, still, you know, the acting world giving her a pat on the back. I think something that she really wanted for a very long time. Yeah. Do you think Madonna is good in this film? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it would be difficult for her not to be good. You know, when she is one of the greatest pop singers of all time. Um, and this is just one two hour and 15 minute music video. Like, it is just her performing again and again and again and again and again. You know, the songs all merge into one after a while. Um, but, you know, she still emotes, she still gives great vocal performances. It's difficult to be a bad performance. Yeah, yeah. It plays to her strengths because she's able to emote via singing rather than having to act actual dialogue and you know if madonna's famous for anything it's her music videos and as you said you know this feels like one long music video um in terms of musicals that have no um spoken word or very little spoken word and it relies on songs to push the narrative forward um the only one i can remember us watching is tommy yeah uh and tommy's a weird film yeah uh, and the music's weird and it's here there and everywhere and it has a whole cast of characters 
um, that sing the songs. So it did feel, for me, quite repetitive. Yeah. And there was a lot of songs, and I didn't realise the musical did this, where the melody's the same, it's just the lyrics are different. Yeah. Um, And it was... I, I thought it was a bit weird. What I also found weird was an electric guitar playing throughout a lot of the songs in a film that was set in the 1940s. I found it really weird. It's a weird choice. I can see what they were going for. I can see what sort of style they were going for. Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, it just genuinely, it felt like it, it started off feeling really rushed. But then, once the pace thing grinded to a halt, it took so long to get back up and running again. And it just it, it genuinely felt like it was just going over the same things again and again. Antonio Banderas is there. He just exists in this film. Yeah, so he's the narrator, essentially. Um, but I, don't, I didn't really get a gist of who the characters were. Mm. I think, potentially, they were scared to go in one direction in particular. Um, because the, the Peron, you know, um, Eva Peron and her husband had as many detractors as they did fans. So I I assume they were quite politically conscious of what they were going to do. And and I think that stands with the, the musical as, as well as the film. Um, I would say only three sort of standout songs and they're good songs. Uh, I'd say two, maybe. Two? Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I never see a case and never holds a better song than, uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. I well. absolutely believe it. I love Another Suitcase and Another Hall. Um, I also love Buenos Aires. Um, and then obviously Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Um, did we really need that exact scene like twice though? It did, yeah. Fucking hell. Like, it was, we've already seen it in the music video before watching the <laughs> yeah. film. And then we pretty much get the exact same scene twice. I think that I just don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. Um, I was saying to you, wasn't I? Like, for a film like Cats to exist, that is so bad, surely it can't be that far removed from the stage musical. And I think a lot of the issues I have with Evita as a film may stem from the show, the Mm -hmm. musical... Um, and the West End and, and Broadway. It's it's okay, the film overall. I probably won't be rushing to watch it again. No. Um, I'll probably just YouTube some of the standout songs. But we're talking about Madonna, and I think Madonna put in a very fine performance. Yeah. Um, Favourite Madonna moment? Uh, Never Suitcase and Never Hall. Yes. Um, I do like Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. It's quite iconic. Um, do you think she got away with playing 15? Fuck no. <laughs> At 38 years old, playing a 15-year-old. Are you fucking kidding me? So, um, Eva Peron died at 33. And the film takes her from the age of 15 to 33, when she um, sadly died quite young. Um, but Madonna plays her throughout and it don't work. No. <laughs> it does not work at all when she's 15. It's like, no. You could have just gotten another actress to play her. 
So Madonna didn't really capitalise on her Golden Globe success, though. Instead, choosing to make one of the best albums of all time in 1998, in my humble opinion, with Ray of Light, a huge commercial and critical success. Won a ton of Grammys. Um, love that album. Yeah, yeah. Classic. Um, probably her best overall album. Her next acting role wouldn't be until the year 2000. And that's the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, she clearly forgot how to act within that time. Um, between <laughs> Too busy Vita. being a success at the Grammys. Uh, directed by John um, Schlesinger. I believe it's open on Schlesinger. Um, he directed Midnight Cowboys, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Marathon Man, The Day of the Locust, Pacific Heights, etc., etc. Madonna plays Abby Reynolds. Uh, this is the Razzie nominee for Worst Screen Couple with Rupert Everett and Benjamin Bratt. Razzie winner for Worst Actress. Razzie winner for Worst Actress of the Century. And yes. That's just ridiculous. There's no way... She's the worst actress of the century. There's, there's, there's got to be someone worse. There's got to be. I think this is the difficulty with the Razzies. And an episode about Madonna is always going to be an episode about the Razzies as well. Is that when you really think of it, when you think of the worst performances put on screen, yeah. you think Troll 2. Mm-hmm. You know? You, you think those sort of low-budget films where the actors have been literally picked from a bar and said I'll give you 50 quid if you'll be in my movie yeah sort of acting they're really the worst actors and the worst actresses but I mean they're not interesting (laughs) to sort of be nominated and to win exactly that being said Madonna and we've discussed it so far has put in some bad performances yeah um, but something like worst actress of the century, I just it feels. It feels. It's just to get them harsh. attention. Let's face it. It's yeah. just to get the Razzies' attention. It's um, it's unnecessary. That's the word I was looking for. It just feels unnecessarily harsh to say you are the worst actress of the century. Yeah. But at the same time, someone's got to be nominated for it. It's a category. It's just, for me, it's bizarre that it's Madonna. I'm sure there's someone out there worse. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I suppose... I, I don't know. I can't really think of the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think the problem, maybe we're a little um, biased because we just love Madonna so much. Um, but the next best thing... It's not a great performance. Yeah, um, she really deserved her win. and She did. That being said... Worst screen, <laughs> yeah, worst screen couple should have actually... Uh, that They should have won that. Um, yeah, and also Rupert Everett was not nominated That's for worst. And that is bizarre because he's also awful in this. Budget of $25 million. It made $24.3 million worldwide. And the premise, I shit you not, the actual premise is Abby, tired of failed relationships, has a one-night stand with her gay friend. They agree to raise the resulting baby together. Yeah, um, real shame that this isn't uh, a podcast episode because we would have called it Will and Disgrace. 
um, which I thought was hilarious. And, you know, you're allowed to use it, but give me credit. Thank you. A uh, bit of trivia, if you care. Rupert Everett disliked the script, so did I, and originally turned down the role. Uh, Paramount wanted to hire Everett so much they offered him a producing and writing credit and the right to pick his co-star. Everett picked his longtime friend Madonna. During production, Everett was fired as producer and co-writer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, poor Madonna, a friend, Rupert, says, uh, come and be in this film. It'll be a fun time. It'll be great. Um, yeah, not so great. In the original script, Abby worked as a swimming instructor. After reading it, Madonna decided that the character should be a yoga instructor. Of course, Madonna decided that the character should be a yoga instructor. Because we were very much still in that point of time where Madonna was um, all about the yoga and spiritual... And yes, she does um, put on a bindi in this film as well. A little bit of cultural appropriation there. Um, seeing the film Darling uh, inspired Madonna to pick John Schlesinger to direct this film. Um, Madonna chose a director? Chose a di- I suppose it, when you are Madonna, you can like choose directors. <laughs> um, this was his last film. And it's such a shame because I love Midnight Cowboy, love Sunday Bloody Sunday. Um, he was a real renowned director, made some classics, and his last film was this nonsense. Yeah. Um, and that's it for the trivia. Do you want to say a bit about uh, Madonna's support for the LGBTQ plus community? Because it's going to come in handy soon. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, Madonna has always been a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community um, throughout her whole career. Um, She's always sort of been within that scene when she was in New York. Um, She brought voguing to the masses. You know, some, some people think that she appropriated, but she, you know, she really brought to the forefront of, of, you know, a very sort of gay movement. Yeah. You know, the voguing scene. Um, she was always a huge supporter of AIDS charities. Yeah. Um, throughout her whole career, um, always employed sort of gay backup dancers and such. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mainly because uh, she had them doing a lot of very flamboyant things. Um but she always has been. She's always been an ally. Um... <laughs> Which raises the question yeah. <laughs> as to how the fuck this film happened. This is directed by a gay man. This is starring a gay man. This is starring a gay icon. How the fuck did something with such awful gay representation make it to the screen? With Madonna involved. Like, how? I mean, it's not so um, confusing with Rupert Everett, considering he's uh, spoken out against gay marriage. Um, he said a few transphobic things in the past as well, so he's not a great person. Um, but, you know, gay director and Madonna, come on. 
What the fuck is this? It's weird. The... It's kind of... I understand the film is 22 years old and it is different. You know, times are different now. And the film hasn't aged very well. It wasn't well received at the time, but it also hasn't aged very well. Um, but it, it's sort of gay representation is very... Some, a lot of it's sort of based on stereotypes. Yeah. Um, a lot of it involves the F word. Yeah. And um, the whole premise is kind of the, the idea that this gay man could sleep with his best friend, who's a woman, and it's a comedy of errors based around that. Mm. It also throws every kind of gay issue out there yeah. and doesn't really deal with Never it. Never deals with it. It doesn't deal with it directly. So it's like the film starts in, I think, 1992 um, and Rupert Everett's friend, well, their friend, you know, because they're, they're a group, um, dies of AIDS. Yeah. And his friend, played by Neil Patrick Harris, um, is also um, HIV positive. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of brought up slightly and not really dealt with. And then Rupert Everett's father has a kind, you know, one, a shame. It's a kind of ashamed of his son Mm -hmm. for being gay. Yeah. Until he has a child, and yeah. then everything's hunky dory. And Rupert Everett's character doesn't feel fully fulfilled in life until he has this child. Yeah. And then it sort of takes a turn, and he's fighting to get this child back because his life doesn't have meaning unless he has this child. And then also halfway through, Madonna's character changes from an ally has a gay best friend loving you know out of the ordinary family Mm -hmm. but a loving family unit she meets a man and suddenly she changes and her priorities change and she becomes a cold-hearted bitch out of nowhere yeah it really is a film of two halves there's just one like that and then suddenly everything changes. Yeah. And it becomes like part courtroom drama. It's not a comedy anymore. No. Um, none of the side characters are involved anymore. Um, not even the two sort of old school Hollywood queer couple mm. who love their Judy Garland. Um, it's weird. It's really weird. It's painfully unfunny. Yeah, there's not a single funny moment. And the the problem is, um, I mean, Madonna's character and Rupert Everett's character, they're both so unlikable. So unlikable. From the get-go. Like, you know, he's he's a gardener at a couple's house and they smash the place up and get drunk and have sex in the living room. It's like, come on. We're meant to be rooting for these people. What's, what's going on? At the end of it, after it finished, I, I turned to Gary and I said, I think I'm a homophobe now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, just real pants. Just real unfunny 
comedy, very stupid, and it was nominated for a GLAAD award in 2001. Were we that desperate for representation? There's much better um, queer-centred films from that time period um, that I would recommend. I would not recommend this. It's strange and it's kind of the the poster makes it look like they get together in there i'm glad they didn't mm. and i was very nervous that they would get together in the end and he would be a changed man and suddenly living the straight life um but yeah not not good not good ladies no. Um, favourite Madonna moments? Uh, the scene in which she's having uh, brunch with her girlies, with her girl pals, the best Judies, and one of them asks if the kid will turn out gay because of the dad being gay, and she responds with, will, will your kids be stupid? Okay, that's slightly funny. <laughs> one slightly funny film. What's funny is her, del- her awful delivery of it. That's, it adds to the camp value of that one line. My favourite moments are wherever Madonna gets to showcase her yoga skills and how flexible she is. And peppered throughout the whole film is Madonna's famous British accent. Oh, yeah. Um, My favourite moments, though, were when her real American accent accidentally comes through. (laughs) Uh, She is playing an American character, but she does sound British. Yes, and of course we get her cover of American Pie, which is arguably better than the original. Um, yeah, yeah, that is that that was for the film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was a weird sort of. I didn't realize that American Pie was a queer song, um, but every time there's a sing song, all the gays get together and sing it. Um, at the guy's funeral, they sing American Pie. Um, why don't you just be really meta and sing a Madonna song? Yeah, that would be great. I'd like to enjoy that. Um, but yeah, do not recommend. By 2002, Madonna's accent wasn't the only thing British about her, though. Her husband, the British director Guy Ritchie, fresh off the success of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, decided to cast her in his new film. Bad idea, Guy Ritchie. That film was swept away. Yeah. You may also know Guy Ritchie from Sherlock Holmes, directing Sherlock Holmes, uh, Snatch, Aladdin, uh, The Gentleman, etc., etc. Madonna plays Amber, Razzie winner for Worst Actress, very well deserved, tied with Britney Spears for Crossroads. That's harsh. I Come liked on. Britney Spears in Crossroads. No, you shut the fuck up. No, you didn't. Pit the two together. Oh, Which yeah. one deserved to win? Definitely Madonna. But Definitely Madonna. The acting wasn't great, girls. Um, Razzie <laughs> Unless winner, Britney Spears knew when to stop, I suppose. Razzie winner for worst screen couple with Adriano uh, Giannini. Budget, $10 million, and it made $1 million worldwide. <laughs> That's $1 million too much. A snooty socialite is stranded on a Mediterranean island with a communist sailor. This is a remake of a 1978 film of the same name. Yes. 1974, sorry. 1974. Um, yeah, I'll get into the trivia. First one's about that. Uh, when the studio screens swept away, 2002... Felina Wertmuller, the director of the original film, it is alleged that she left the theatre at the end crying out, 
what did they do to my movie? Why did they do this? Yeah. This is, to date, Madonna's last starring role in a feature film. The failure of the film is believed to have killed her acting career. It was on life support, let's be honest, by 2002. Well, uh, last f- a feature role. Um, she's in other films, but cameos. Yeah, this is her last lead role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it killed her acting career. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she wasn't in a... Even like a, a minor supporting role, really. When asked why Madonna, his then wife, was cast, Guy Ritchie reportedly replied, because she was cheap and available. Yeah, it shows. Yeah, the film swept the Golden Raspberry Awards of 2003, like Gary said, winning five of its seven nominations, including Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Actress... Uh, the film itself would later win two more awards, Worst Drama of the Razzies Foundation's First 25 Years and Worst Picture of the Decade in 2010. Um, the US opening of the movie was so poor and the movie was so badly received that it went straight to video in the UK. Um, yeah, all deserved. I'm sorry. Yeah. This bottom of the barrel really this- just atrocious it's genuinely when my first my, my five worst films I've ever seen in my life this is I don't know how this got made I really yeah. don't know how this got made I don't know how it got released I don't know why Madonna would agree even with it being her husband I don't know why she'd agree to act in this I don't know why Go Ritchie would want her to act in this I don't know why he'd want any woman to act in this because this film is misogyny embodied within a film it, it's so so misogynistic like it's for it's been 20 years since this was released surely back then surely this wasn't okay no it it was painful it's so repetitive it was painful to watch um it was marketed as a comedy imdb says it's a comedy romantic comedy romantic comedy there was no comedy whatsoever if it was comedy then you got some issues, mate. Yeah. It felt misogynistic, incredibly uncomfortable at times. Um, the script was repetitive, mm-hmm. real one note. The performances were wooden. You know, if they were stranded on an island, he could have used Madonna as a raft because she was so wooden. <laughs> um... I wish it had been swept away. Adriano um, Giannini's character, um, there's so many issues here. I mean, both of them are unlikable anyway. But Madonna's character and his character, they're both unlikable. She's um, meant to be unlikable. Yeah, and yeah, the, the over-the-top thing she does, of course, she, you know, it's, it's glaringly obvious. You're not meant to like it. Great. Even so, literally... Throughout this film, he starts slapping her around. He calls her a bitch every five minutes. Um, he demands that she calls him boss. And at one point, I shit you not, he sexually assaults her. And straight after this, she falls in love with him. Yeah. We get a romantic montage beach scene after this, set to Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. Oh my god, what an insult. One of my favorite. Favourite songs of all time. Tarnished. 
by and it's the whole fucking song as well. Yeah, having this montage to tarnished by this crap. Like, I, I don't understand. There's there's nowhere to suggest that this is a drama at all or anything of the sort. This is a romantic comedy where someone gets sexually assaulted and falls in love with the person who did it. The the, the idea is that Madonna's character is a bitch. She is. You know, and she's heartless. So she works for a drugs company. And the big thing is that she works for a drugs company. And there's a kind of joke at the beginning where her friend, um, who's just as rich, um, suggests that um, medicine should be made more available to people such as blind people. And she says, well, why? Why, you know, why can't they just get a job and pay for it? Um, she kind of puts on an American accent for this one. <laughs> um, on and off. On and off. Um, to which he replies, well, if they're blind, work is more difficult for them. She says, well, can't they bake cakes? Why can't blind people bake cakes? I mean, surely you don't need to be able to see to bake a cake. Um, incredibly unfunny. But it's kind of indicative of her as a character, this heartless, selfish person. She spends half the film being horrible to this guy who's working on the boat. Um, she doesn't want to eat his food. There's at least five scenes of him going into the kitchen and bitching about it. You know, it's probably even more than that. It oh. is genuinely every few minutes... He'll go in there, he'll call her a bitch, and he'll talk about how he wants to murder her. Like, we see it so many times, and it's just not funny at all. It's not. And he comes across as an asshole as well, you know? And But she she's this big, she, the devil, and they get swept away. Well, they get cast away, I suppose is the term that you would use. Cast away, and she is... Fixed, essentially. Yeah. Really. This is what the film is telling us. That she finds true love. She says it herself. He, She falls in love with him. She's never been happier than when she's with him. Yeah. But she only gets to that because they bicker for a good three quarters of the film. But she only gets to this point after he treats her like shit... Slapping her, kicking her, making her wait on him hand and foot, mm -hmm. making her cook for him, sexually assaulting her, and then at the end of the film, spoiler alert, don't ever watch this film, I don't care, never watch it, so I'm going to give you a spoiler, they don't end up together, she goes back with her husband, and it's meant to be a sad ending. Yeah. Because they were meant to be together. Yeah. It disgusted. It really vile. The message of this film is disgraceful. And it's so weird that Guy Ritchie, who helped write the screenplay. Yeah. That Guy Ritchie would take this plot and be like, do you know who would be great in this role? My wife, who's well known for being a bit bitchy. And who's well known for being opinionated mm. and being a strong woman. Now, of course, there's a difference between being strong and being 
rude, you know, and it, it it's a very stereotypical depiction of someone being rude, you know, a rich, rude mm-hmm. person. It's weird because none of her friends are like that. But none of her friends ever call her no. out on it. But whatever. I don't go too deep into it. Um, but eventually the message is that she was better off being worn down by this man. Yeah. And she was a better person for it. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Really. It, just... it, it, it feels like it's saying to put a good wo- a woman in a good place um, or put a good woman in her place... Um, you have to abuse her relentlessly on a beach. Yeah. It 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 was yeah awful, really truly truly awful. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Favorite Madonna moment: seeing her name in the end credits because I knew this shit was yeah, over. Yeah, I haven't got a single one. When her name popped up, great, fantastic. Glad this is finished. Um, I hope Massey Star got a good payout for Duh. the use of their song. Um, so, lastly, despite Swept Away being Madonna's last leading role, she still managed to snag another Razzie Award for Worst Supporting Actress in Die Another Day. This is the one I was talking about. This is ridiculous. Come on, she's uncredited for one. Second, she's in it for less than a minute. Yes, her performance in that minute is terrible. Um, as uh, someone just doing a bit of fencing. But it's... Yeah, come on. This is really clutching at straws here. Um, also, Razzie nominee for Worst Original Song. That's so harsh. So rude. And Razzie nominee for Worst Actress of the Decade again. Yeah, I just think it's a bit... Like, if she's in the film for less than a minute, I think I have seen the clip. She's not great in it, but it's a nothing wrong. It's a throwaway thing. Yeah. And again, I think they're just throwing it out there to, you know, get a bit of um, advertising or, or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To just cause a little controversy. Um, And that's it. That she is... was in Arthur and the Invisibles as well. Oh, uh, as a voice, voice yeah. role. Yeah. That was her official last... Role. Yeah, yeah. For voiceovers, I suppose that doesn't really count unless she's um, struggling to keep her British accent. Um, but yeah, that is Madonna's film career in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, a few cameos scattered here and there that weren't worth mentioning. Um, would we say a fitting end? Given the the hatred the Razzies have shown her over the years? Sadly, yeah. Um the end of her acting career kind of plays into it, um, which is a shame because we've seen um, throughout these films that she is capable of putting in a good performance as an actress. Um, but yeah, no, her last few roles, they really, they, they, they fit that uh, reputation perfectly. I think it's it's weird because if after Evita, which was by all accounts her most successful role, yeah, um, it really just plummeted after that. Yeah, it kind of felt like she was like, "Oh fuck it, I've done my best now." I did what I needed to do. Yeah, I got my Golden Globe. <laughs> um, God bless her. God loves a trier, <laughs> and she gave it a good go. <laughs> Um, did she 
always succeed? No. But she got back up again. And like she said, famously, the most controversial thing that Madonna ever did was stick around. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad she knew when to quit with the acting. <laughs> to continue with the music. That's what we all love. Um, so, are we going to do a little ranking of her films? I've got a top ten. Yeah. Uh, rather than a ranking. I mean, yeah, we, all know, we all know what a worst film is. Of course. Um, my top ten... Now, the top two are just there because I need... Well, the top three are just there because I need a ten. Um, so, Bloodhounds of Broadway, uh, number ten. Shadows and Fog at number nine. Evita at number eight. Seven is Body of Evidence. Oh, too low. Number six is Dying of a Day. Number five is Who's That Girl. Number four is Dangerous Game. Number three is Desperately Seeking Susan. Number two is Dick Tracy. And number one is A League of Their Own. Now, that is um, ranked by my enjoyment of the films themselves rather than her performances. Yes. Um, I would agree with you on that one. I would probably, just for pure... Well, you, you haven't seen Dying of a Day. I've not seen Dying of a Day. Well, you don't have to tell everyone I haven't seen Dying of a Day. They don't know I haven't seen it. What do you know? Well, they do now, because <laughs> you grasp me up. Um, I, would, I would put Body of Evidence higher up, because I love that shit. <laughs> But what would you say is her best performance? Her best performance is Dangerous Game, without a, without a doubt. Like, that is... Like I said, it's not even like you're watching Madonna. That is acting right there. Um, really, really fantastic performance that... It's kind of sad because there's so much potential there that's just thrown away for films that swept away. I think if she hadn't been pushed so much to be the lead actress in these big showy films yeah if she was allowed to sort of hone her craft after uh, desperately seeking susan i think she could have got to that point where she was in oscar contention Mm -hmm. you know it's not always going to be like lady gaga you know you look at someone like Cher Cher was in smaller roles before she became the lead actress she honed her craft you know someone like barbara streisand had a career on Broadway before she went into movies. Yeah. You know, and I think it was just a case of, here's this big pop star, shiver in a movie. Oh, it worked. Yeah. Now she can do any of them, and it, it didn't really work out. Yeah, worst performance is actually the next best thing. I felt British accent, and yeah, that is her most wooden. I mean, Shanghai Surprise is a close second for me, but yeah, that was by far her worst performance. Um, I I would agree. Actually, I would agree. Um, my favorite performance. I think her best performance is um, Dangerous Game, but I think my favorite of her performances would be. Um, desperately seeking Susan. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. That's Madonna through the years. That is Madonna through the years. Thank you for sticking with us. I've really enjoyed this episode um, because, you know, I love Madonna. Uh, if you love Madonna as much as I do, then uh, tell us what your favourite and least favourite of her films are. 
Yes, we are Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Delight Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify. This week is double episode week, and we will be back on Friday with our latest original versus remake episode. We'll be discussing both versions of 13 Ghosts. Yay! I think I haven't seen the <laughs> remake. And we'll be back a week today in celebration of the new Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. No, we're not doing shitty superheroes month again. Thank, Thank God. Fuck. But we are doing the inevitable podcast episode that everyone knew we'd do eventually. We're discussing Howard the Duck. Yes. Misunderstood? We'll get to that next week. Mm, the, yeah. Yeah, we want people to listen. Okay. <laughs> well, if they think it's misunderstood as well, we're more likely to listen. And tune in and see if we agree. <laughs> We'll see you on Friday. Bye.